The message you're about to listen to is from the Household of David Mercy Conference 2024, themed The Resurrection. Be blessed as you listen. Hallelujah. Shall we lift up our hands and let's glorify Jesus? He's the head of the church, he's the savior of the body. All things are made by him and for him. Visible and invisible thrones and dominions, principalities and powers is above is before all things. In him all things consist. And it has pleased the Father that all fullness should dwell in him. And of his fullness we have received grace for grace. For the Lord came through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus. And blessed be God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places in Christ. Thank you for choosing us before the foundation of the world to be without blame in your sight. Thank you for sealing us with the Holy Spirit of promise with the guarantee of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession. And again, your throne, O God, is forever and ever. The scepter of your kingdom is the right scepter. For you have loved righteousness and hated wickedness. Therefore, the Lord your God has anointed you with our oil of gladness. Thank you for this house. Again, this evening, glorify this house, that this house will glorify you. Glorify your word, that your word will glorify you. Glorify your son, that your son will glorify you. And as we teach, everyone is blessed. Everyone is lifted. Everyone is edified. Everyone is strengthened. Everyone is encouraged through the teaching of the word and by the power of the spirit. Thank you for the release of grace. Let it spread through the many and cause thanksgiving to abound to the glory of God, to the praise and the glory of your name. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name we pray. Come on, give the Lord a shout. And you may be seated. Wow. (laughs) What a time we had in the Word this morning. And I want to again salute my brother and his wife, Pastor Shola. I wanted to say doctor. I'm like, <laughs> we, maybe we'll give him one day. <laughs> but some of us read for it. It wasn't given to us. <laughs> we had to write thesis. <laughs> and if you, if you see what I mean. <laughs> Thank you, Pastor Shola, for, 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 for doing this, honestly. Not because we are family, but because you are just a special, you know, like if we say anything in our local palace, a special somebody. <laughs> there's, there's, there's just this grace of God upon you. And, 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 and I'm, not, I'm not surprised at all because we grew up together. Uh, what many people don't know, and I'm telling you today, is that Pastor Jola gave his life to Christ before me. Um, so I had to catch up. I think it was like two years ahead. I was just enjoying myself, and I used to look at him. When secondary school did, I said, why, why are you just, what's this? <laughs> why don't you just enjoy life? <laughs> and uh, little did I know, and, and when I started growing, it was one of the factors that God used I mean, because he demonstrated and modeled the life, even when I was on the other side of the divide. And uh, it was such a great one. And before you know it, we now started competing. We would take the sitting room. 
Because whoever got the sitting room, we pray for the next 10 hours. And myself and my brother, we pray for five hours in tongues. We pray 10 hours until I started praying 10 hours every day by the age of 16. And uh, it was one of the things I saw in him. And by the time I got to University of Ibadan, it was easy for me to do 18 hours until I led the entire fellowship one day. And he said, we're going to do 24 hours. And we did. It's called Contact 24. And 24 hours of praying in tongues and nonstop. And it's, it's, it's amazing. So that is your pastor for you. Such, such an amazing, amazing man of God. So I've, I've seen, is somebody I can be in my chest and say, this person grew. He didn't just come from the blues. He went through the syllabus. He's seasoned and he's thorough. And, and he's a man of love. And it's just, and I want to especially appreciate Pastor Abigail too. <laughs> you know, if you want to know a very strong woman of God, you know, I, I go around ministries a lot, and I have a way of just studying pastors' wives. You know, for me, that is a research. Maybe I'm going to write down that thesis on that. <laughs> and if you want to see a very wonderful pastor's wife, you see that they're always very quiet. But don't take that quietness. Ah, they are strong. <laughs> if you see what I mean. They are just quiet. They sit quietly there, but they are controlling things. They are moving things. They are bringing everything in obedience to God. <laughs> so, Pastor Abigail, we appreciate you. Thank you for standing by Pastor Shola. Thank you for... And you know, from the first time I met you, I remember I was visiting from Abuja when Pastor Shola, they started cutting then, when he came to introduce that to me. I still remember I was staying at Excellence Hotel at the time. From the first time I met her, I just loved her. And I, I thank God for you. God bless you. Thank you very much. And of course, uh, I'm meeting Pastor Isaac Oedepo for the first time. And um, it's good to see you. God bless you. Only time and eternity will reveal the impact of what your father did for many of us. Pastor Shola will testify to this. When I was in the University of Badon, I had over 3,000 tapes of your dad that I've listened to. Not that I had. Because when I was leaving the university, when we were packing out of my room, they had to count the number of tapes, and it was over 3,000. Because I, I got a sister in our fellowship then that used to live in Kaduna. So what I told her was that, I remember one of the early days, I said, I don't want any recent message, messages of Dr. Edepo. I said, get me messages preached between 1983 and 1987. And she got me 500. And I listened to those messages. I remember I was telling Pastor and the leadership of the fellowship at the time. I said, you needed to listen to people when they just start. Mm. I mean, Bishop was fire. I mean, it was only very few people could have been there in those days with that level of commitment and that level of spiritual pull. It was pulling between 1983 and 1987. So we salute your dad. We salute his contribution to the gospel. And we salute the grace of God upon his life. Amen. And it's nice meeting you. And we also salute you for also standing and doing what God has put in your heart to do. Praise God forevermore. All right, let's get into the world. Pastor Victoria Orenzi. 
<laughs> I should not leave you out because you came the last year we never met and you celebrated me again and again. You kept on referring to the message and that thing went viral. Thank you very much. Um, and it's so nice meeting you for the first time. Amen. And the rest of us, let's celebrate ourselves. It's good to have you here. And I will always acknowledge again my sister, Sister Essie, if she's here. God bless you. She was the one that used to cook beans for me at the University of Ibadan. Is she here? Where is she? Somewhere? Okay. Essie, God, can you stand? I mean, God bless you. That was the sister that used to cook. We were in the same fellow, she used to cook beans for me. <laughs> Amen. And uh, maybe I'll come and eat the beans again. <laughs> First Corinthians 15. We have a very short time this evening. And make no mistakes, all that we're saying, the greetings, they're also part of the teaching. Paul wrote an entire chapter to greet people. Romans 15. <laughs> And you begin to wonder, why is he just greeting people? Salute this one, greet this one, greet that, greet that. And you are like, you are devoting a whole chapter to greeting people. So the message started when I started greeting Pastor Shola and his wife. So we're just continuing now. First Corinthians 15. Now, just like Pastor Shola said, we just give sense to um, some of the things we started looking at in the morning. But I just want to repeat some things for emphasis. Uh, we dealt with a whole lot of things already in the morning. Death and grave, the veil, those things are levelers. I mean, you, you see what happened that, despite the fact that people in the Old Testament walked in a dimension of the supernatural, that at times some of us in the New Covenant are still trying to supersede you know we're still trying to catch up we're still trying to i mean you, you see people like elijah you see how, how people did stuff you see people like joshua but, but surprisingly grave held them <laughs> death held them and many of them just like we read in matthew this morning were kept there until the day jesus died and the bible says the day he died the graves were opened. Let's appreciate Pastor Viola. That's Pastor Viola. God bless you, man. <laughs> I mean, she, she told us she was going to be in the meeting. God bless you, Pastor Viola. Thank you. Thank you. Pastor Viola from uh, the Citadel Community, Global Community Church, and is the executive assistant to Pastor Tony Bakari. Thank you very much for coming. All right. So, but now, this is, this is now, I mean, it's, it's so funny that despite the fact that they moved in dimensions, when it came to conquering the grave, none of them excelled. The moment they died, that was it. Something, as a matter of fact, if you read scripture very well, someone like Moses, who tried to be an exception to that rule, Satan had to contend for his body. And the reason why he was like that was because it wasn't, it wasn't that these guys were not powerful. It was the configuration of the realm of the spirit at the time. The configuration was such, such a dimension that death reigned. So, so there was nothing anybody could do. The moment you die, 
For as long as you are alive, you can move mountains, your mantle can heal the sick, you can cross the Red Sea, like all those mighty miracles that happened under the old covenant. But the moment you die, it's as if another system will say, okay, now that you have done all that you need to do, now we control you. Because grave held them. Death held them. And it wasn't that they were not powerful. Because you imagine somebody like Daniel. I mean, if you look at these Old Testament guys, they were powerful people. But how come once death came, that was the end. And they were kept in the grave. They were kept there until the day Jesus died. The moment Jesus died, even before he resurrected, his death alone reconfigured the entire spiritual realm. To such an extent that for the first time in almost 4,000 years, the graves were opened. <laughs> and that's why I said in the morning, we need to study again the implications of, of his death. Before we, be, before we begin to talk about resurrection, his death alone brought so much. So that means even if Jesus did not rise, the fact that he died changed certain things. And that, that was the beginning. And, and he died, he was buried, but more importantly, he rose. And we saw in the morning that the moment he died, the graves were opened. The bodies rose again for the first time. So you see the likes of David, Abraham, and the rest of them, for the first time, they came up. And the Bible says they did not leave their graves until the resurrection money. Give us that scripture again. Because there's something there that I'm trying to connect, you know, to what we want to teach briefly this evening. And coming out of the graves after his resurrection. So that's about the fact that the graves were opened, they could not come out. And the reason for that is that there's a position Christ ought to occupy. It's called the first fruit from the dead. So it must be the first person to rise. That's by the fact that the graves were opened. That's by, and that tells again the story of, 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 of many believers. That the, the fact that, you see, you could receive revelation knowledge at the level of the graves opening. And for so many people, the graves are splitting, the graves are opening. But the problem is that they are yet to align with resurrection. So that's by the fact that there is enough power to open the grave. They are yet to experience the power to come out. So look at what happened there. Coming out of the graves. After. After. That means his resurrection created a possibility that is greater than the graves opening. <laughs> because the graves can open, but you are still there. But these guys made what is called appearances. They came out. And that's why I'm persuaded after this conference, there's somebody under the sound of my voice, you are about to make your first appearance. <laughs> Look, because you, you've been there. Imagine, and, and look at how the Bible puts it. They, they appeared, look at it, came out of the graves after his resurrection, and they went into the holy city and appeared unto many. What kind of thing is this? What kind of thing is this? That shows you that what we are talking about is real. It's as real and look at what the graves were. No, give us verse 52 again. Let's see the manner of people. The graves were opened and the bodies of many saints. So it wasn't because they were bad people or they were sinners. 
that the graves locked them in. It was because of the configuration of the realm of the spirit. And the moment Jesus tampered with that configuration and changed the configuration, and what he now did was that he made sure the reign of death came to an end. And by the time he rose from the dead, you know what he said? He said, I have the keys of hell and death. That means for the first time in human history, death did not have the key to his own house again. Imagine if I had the keys to your house. What do you think I'm communicating to you? <laughs> Pastor Shola, imagine I come to you and I say, Pastor Shola, Pastor Abigail, I have the keys to your house. So that means you are no longer in control of who goes in and what comes out of your house. Another force. And that's why the Bible now tells us that death is no longer an enemy. Because what Christ did was to put an end to the reign of death. And the moment death expired, those guys woke up. And he began to show us that once you become born again, that is what happened to you. And the reason why we're saying all this is because there's a theology out there that is trying to get people out of the grave. But you see, the problem is that it is an half-measured theology because it's not also telling people that beyond the grave's opening, there were also appearances orchestrated by resurrection. That certain things in the realm of the spirit became automated because Christ rose from the dead. And that was what Paul was craving for. And you know what Paul called it? The power of his resurrection. And I said it in the morning again, we're just trying to give a recap of, even if that is all we're able to do, it's fine. Or some of the things we taught in the morning, because we had quite a lot of time in the morning to deal with stuff. And, and if you look at that, Paul now began to say that I may know him and the power. So that means there's something hidden there in the resurrection story that is yet to be known. <laughs> and that's why somebody at the level of Apostle Paul, with all the exploit, with everything that he did, was still crying. Because we can read generally in the Bible, like I said in the morning, the Apostle Paul prayed. And we know he's an extreme man of prayer because he was one that stood before an entire church at Corinth and he said, I pray in tongues more than you are. But that is one of the few places in scripture where the Bible gave us a prayer point that even at the level of Apostle Paul, what, what were the things he was praying for? One of the things he was praying for is that he said there's something about the power of his resurrection I don't still know. I want to know him at that level. And the fellowship of his suffering. And he now added a dimension to it. That was where, when I was close in the morning. He said, I want to be comfortable. Look at how he put it. Go back to verse number 10, please. That I may know him and the power of his resurrection, the fellowship of his suffering. He now added another prayer point to it. He said, I want to be conformed unto his death. But as you like, remember, I ended in the morning by saying, what you call crisis, what you call trouble, the moment you become born again is God trying to write your story so that your story is a fit for the story of resurrection. It's called being made conformable. Because you see, whenever God wants to align your story with the death and the burial and the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ, it will introduce a factor that will look like death so that your story can be tweaked, so that your story can conform. Because a lot of our story, there's no resurrection value in those stories. So if God wants to help you, and he wants to introduce the resurrection dimension to you, even the Lord himself, when this dimension was about to be introduced, his humanity kicked in. 
He said, Lord, let this cup pass over me. So some of the things you are seeking deliverance for, some of the cups you are asking God to let pass over you are the factors that will bring his resurrection power. Because those are the factors God introduces so that your story can be conformable. Conformable. Because your story will be conformable. That means at some point you will die also. At some point also you will be buried. So that at some point in this conference, you will resurrect. And that is happening literally to our household of David with this experience we are going through. So, so death, this conference is the barrier. Ah, by Sunday morning. <laughs> That's why the spirit of Pastor is yearning for an open air meeting, yearning for something big. Because Sunday morning, something is going to happen to this ministry. And we're going to see that all that God did, give me that scripture again, is to make our story. That means the story of HOD just became calm. Give us that scripture again. Please, my face is not important. Give us scripture. <laughs> scripture, scripture. We are people of the word. The word excites us. Nothing else excites us. That I may know him and the power of his resurrection, the fellowship of his suffering. When, when the power of his resurrection is introduced, it will look like if you are suffering. But that suffering is a fellowship. Oh, somebody's not getting me. <laughs> that was why even the Lord himself, Pastor Biola, the Lord himself said, Lord, if it is possible, let this cup. See, that cup you don't want is the cup that will activate the possibility of resurrection in your story. It's the cup designed to make your life to be conformable. And that is why it is important for you not to accept premature deliverance. If the Lord insisted, you know what was available to him at that season, Pastor Shola? Part of what was available to him were legions of angels. So he could have called for the legions of angels, but you and I will not be here. He will be delivered. The legions will come and scatter everywhere. And the Lord will come the next one and say, let me share testimony. As I sent for those legions of angels, they came. They scattered Herod, shook everywhere. But see, what would never have happened, or what, we, what would not happen, is resurrection. That's why the Bible says, those heroes of faith refused to accept deliverance. They refused. That means they were offered. In your moment, when the resurrection power is about to be activated, you will be offered deliverance. But you see, be, be knowledgeable in God enough to refuse. <laughs> There's a faith that refuses. But say by faith, Moses refused to be called the sons of Pharaoh's daughter. Because if people think faith is only to accept. There's also a faith that refuses. Because you're on the faith lane, you are believing God for something. Let's say, I'm just using money as an example now. It's not really the message, but, but get the gist from, from the, what I just want to say now. I mean, somebody says, let's say, for instance, you are believing God for a billion to do something. And somebody says, okay, we'll give you 100 million just to compromise you and to just shake you. You see, a time comes, you will refuse the 100 million. Like I said, the money is not the gist because I know many of us will not refuse the 100 million. He said, come on, say another thing, Pastor. <laughs> In this current Nigeria, who will refuse 100 million? But see, that is your faith level. And we're not condemning you. There's nothing wrong with that. But there's a level. 
You know what you are looking for, like Abraham. You are looking for a city that has foundation. So if they are offering you other things, you know this is not it. Because your faith is yearning for something more, for something more. And that is where the ministry is now. Where it can only be a city whose builder and maker is God. So Pastor Shola, hear the word of the Lord. What we are seeking is not just building a church or having a building. What God is giving this ministry is a city. So that we know what to refuse. He said it's going to feed with honey and what? So that we know how to refuse. And and, and I think that's the message God is giving all of us. Because Christ had access to resources, but he refused. He said, nevertheless, not my will. You see, the problem with resurrection power, what is standing in between resurrection power and you is your will. At some point in your life also, you must say to the Father, this cup, I'll take it. Because this cup is starting a process in me, and I know how that process is going to end. Resurrection. A new body. A new level of life. And that is what this ministry is moving to. Now, 1 Corinthians 15. Oh, God, that is a bad recap of the morning, isn't it? (laughs) Well, let's move on. Moreover, brethren, now, Pastor Shola, Pastor Isaac, Pastor Biola, everyone, Pastor Abby, Pastor Victoria, this is what we call the classic Apostle Paul. For the first time in Scripture, Apostle Paul took us into his own personal life and into his own personal theology. So you want to see what made Paul Paul. What made Paul Paul is what Paul is trying to unveil here in 1 Corinthians 15. And it's, he, he, he's, he's just like somebody like, we're talking about our beloved father, Bishop Oedepo now. If just or someone like our beloved father, Pastor Bakari, or someone like Daddy Adeboe, or Pastor W.F. Kumui, and you know, all these fathers. Just Let's say they come to us and they're like, let me share my life with you. That was what Paul was doing here. So Paul said, look, moreover, brethren, I declare to you the gospel which I preach to you. So that means Paul is saying, all my life, this is what I've been preaching. Which you also received, in which you also stand. And we're like, Apostle Paul, what's that? Next verse. By which you also sit. If you hold fast the word which I preach to you, unless you have believed in vain. This is Paul unveiling Paul. Next verse. How, Apostle Paul, how did you start? He said, for I delivered to you first of all that which I also received. That means, Apostle Paul, what you received was not apostleship at first. So for Paul, the first line of revelation was not a call to ministry. It was something deeper. Now, this is Apostle Paul now telling us how he built his ministry precept upon precept. Those things that constituted the foundation of his ministry. And look at what he was going to talk about. He said, I deliver to you first of all that which I also received. That Christ died for our sins according to scripture. Ah. Apostle Paul How does that relate to the anointing? (laughs) How does that relate to putting food on somebody's table? That the first thing you received was that Christ died for our sins. Look at me, everyone. It does not matter 
And that is, that's how we begin to experience the power of his resurrection. It does not matter any area of your life where you have come short of the glory of God. And I'm going to explain that in social and economic terms. For instance, what does it really mean to sin? <laughs> if by the end of January, in the program of God for you, you ought to have become a billionaire, and you are still a, 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 a thousandaire, you sinned. You are a sinner. <laughs> it's called economic sin. <laughs> because when we talk about sin, it's easy for people to just look at fornication, adultery. At the beginning of the year, God had a plan in mind for you. That this is where you should be by the end of January. This is where you should be in February. Some of us, let's even say this year, let's say this is like October, just projecting. And this is where you should be in October. And you look at the year, where you ought to be, where you ought to be in October, you are not yet there. Ah, you have come short of the glory of God. So, so that is sin. It means you came short. That means this is the mark God set for you. That by now, this is where you ought to be, but you are here. So Paul said, the first thing I received is that when there is a gap between where I ought to be and where I am now, that was why Christ died. <laughs> oh, you are not getting me. So Christ died to make sure there are no gaps again. Because he died for our sins. But, but you see, Paul now had something to it. And Pastor mentioned that briefly in the morning. He said it's according to scripture. Look at it again. What Paul received first. Move on. And that what? He was buried and he rose the third day according to scripture. Why was Paul emphasizing according to scripture? And that's why I said in the morning we took time to study the word. We took time. If you are going to really, really experience the power of his resurrection, scripture is very important. What made Apostle Paul, Paul? Scripture. Scripture. Apostle Paul was not there physically when Christ died. How come more than the people that witnessed it physically, Apostle Paul optimized the imperatives in the power of his resurrection beyond those who witnessed it physically? That means there's something about Scripture. Scripture is a gap filler. So the fact that you are not there, once you can get a hold of scripture that tells you what happened, you can be part of it. So Apostle Paul said, my own revelation did not come like Peter and the rest of them. They were there. But how did I, how did I make up for the fact that while the rest of them were following Jesus, I was still killing Christians? So Apostle Paul is trying to tell us what gave me comparative advantage in the scheme of things was that I aligned myself with scripture. I, I allowed scriptural truth to tell me what happened beyond what Peter saw. If you are going to take anything away from this conference, go back to scripture. Look, we are beginning to lose ground as far as scripture is concerned. And that's why all kinds of doctrines are flying everywhere now in the body of Christ because people are no longer grounded in scripture. And Paul is saying, if you want to understand death, if you want to understand burial, if you want to understand resurrection, those things come to us not via experiences. They come to us via scripture. So I advise you, 
read the entire epistles into pieces. <laughs> because beyond Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, <laughs> you know, I tell people this, and, and I'm sure Pastor Jordan knows this. The epistles were written before the Gospels. Most people don't know that. The first, gospel, the first epistle that was written was the epistle of Paul to the Thessalonians. You can check this in out. I mean, this is, this is the age of Google. It was written about 1854. The first gospel that was written was written almost nine years later. As a matter of fact, John did not write it to his own gospel until about AD 99. The gospel according to St. John was written just shortly about the same time he wrote 1 John, 2 John, 3 John, before he now went to the Isle of Patmos to write the book of Revelation. So by the time the writers of the epistles were writing, the writers of the, because don't forget John Mark was still a small boy. Even when Peter was arrested, he was in his mother's house, and he was a young man that followed Peter, I mean Paul and Barnabas, that ran back. So by the time he was writing the epistle of Mark, you know, in the days of Peter, he was just a small boy that, and eventually became like a teenager, became the PA, carrying Bible and, and portfolio for Paul and Barnabas before they fell out. And that was the guy that wrote. And don't forget Luke. Later started working with Paul, years later, Luke. And of course, became the traveling companion of Apostle Paul as a medical doctor before he eventually wrote the gospel according to St. Luke. So what we are saying is that those things were there. So they're pieces. And indeed, the entire Bible, because we're not here emphasizing one part against the other, but I'm just saying for the sake of understanding the power of his resurrection. Because, you see, we can come now and start laying hands on everybody and say, receive the power. But you see, it does not matter. Christianity does not work that way. If you cannot see what you have received in Scripture, and I'll give you another example, just to add to some of, one of the thoughts, because... I just have about a minute more now. Just to add to some of the thoughts we spoke about in the morning. Pastor Biola, is it not amazing? After Jesus went through that experience in the wilderness, he didn't come back to the city. After he returned the power of the Spirit to begin to describe how tall Satan was in the wilderness when he encountered Satan, Jesus went for scripture. After the mighty encounter, he went to the temple and the only validation Jesus gave to that experience in the wilderness was to establish it in scripture. And he said, the Bible said, the Bible said they, they gave him the book of prophet Isaiah. Hmm. He didn't say, guys, I just came out of the wilderness. In that wilderness for 40 days, I was fighting Satan. In fact, evil beasts came. I was in the midst of principalities and power. Because those are the things that excite us at times. But Jesus said, give me Isaiah. The spirit of the Lord God is upon me. <laughs> never referenced any, all throughout his entire life and ministry, never referenced what happened in the wilderness once. In fact, it took Luke, Matthew, and Mark to record it. It was never the emphasis of the Lord. But what did he do? He took scripture. And he said, today, this scripture, that means what is being fulfilled is not the fasting, it's not the prayer, it's this scripture. That means if you are going to understand death, burial, and resurrection at the level of Apostle Paul, this is Apostle Paul opening to us his life and what made him tick. It must be according to scripture. 
Let this conference produce in you a genuine hunger and thirst for the true word of God, for scripture. Because you see, all scripture, they are given by the inspiration of God. And it's profitable for doctrine, for correction, for reproof, for instruction in righteousness. The day you start studying scripture, that is the day you become a man of God. Say that the man of God. So the man of God is not the pastor. The man of God is a believer that is grounded in doctrine, reproof, correction, and instructions in righteousness found in scripture. It will amaze us that scripture tells us what happened. And lastly, as I drop the mic, one of the things scripture tells us happened is that we were raised. That means all that God is looking for in your life. Stop defining crisis as an orchestration of Satan. It is a low-level theology. The moment you became born again, your story is no longer in the hand of Satan. God is now the one rocking the boat. And the reason why he's rocking the boat, look at what Paul said. Give us that scripture again. Let's close with it that I may know him. Look, look. Give us the scripture again. Oh, let's close with that. Let's that I may know him. Please, can you just give it to me? Thank you, Lord. Somebody has been set free this evening. Somebody has been raised. The glory of God is all over the place. That I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering be made conform to his death. Look at the next verse. He now says, if by any means I may attain. <laughs> what you are calling crisis is God using any means. <laughs> so that once, like pause too, an opportunity is created in your life to attain. <laughs> and when God wants to do that, he uses any means. What you call shame, what you call crisis. And that's why in the light of the resurrection power, redefine your crisis. And begin to call them opportunities. Because there are pathways in the spirit so that if by any means you may also attain. Because the moment you attain unto the resurrection of the dead, ah, you will look back. And that's why some of the things you call crisis now, you begin to, as a matter of fact, you, you begin to look up for an opportunity for another crisis to erupt. <laughs> Because you now know that this is the pathway. So all that God is doing in our lives in this conference is to create access points in the spirit so that by any means, by any means, the guy leaving you a few months to your marriage, by any means, <laughs> almost getting a contract he didn't give you, by any means, don't feel bad. Just understand that one of the forgotten names of Jesus is that it's not just El Shaddai. He looked at Mary and Martha. I said, I am the resurrection. So resurrection is not an event. The moment you are in Christ, you are in resurrection. <laughs> Give the Lord a big hand. <laughs> Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let's pray in the spirit for three minutes, everyone. Where you are seated, just begin to pray as we bring this session to a close. Eye bakala freke tuna sidaba ya prokodina mama sidaba 
pray that prayer. Apostle Paul also prayed that I may know him. And in this conference, the power of his resurrection. The fellowship of his suffering. And I'm being made conformable. My story is conformable. It's conforming to the status of one who is ready to experience resurrection. So that by Sunday morning, I attain. <laughs> I attain. I attain. And as people look at me, they begin to see a man. They begin to see a woman who has attained, who has activated, who has defeated the graves, who has defeated everything that is holding them, who is making appearances for the rest of the year because of the power of his resurrection. The power of his resurrection. The power. Of his resurrection, the power. Amen. One more scripture, please. Pastor Shola, John 11 25. I just came to my spirit and I just read that and I hand over the mic. John eleven twenty-five. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he may be broke. <laughs> So he's telling us how he works. He said, do. Do. So there's a possibility that the story of some of us is fitting into that do. Because we are like, but I believe. But I can't pay my rent. He said, yes, it has covered all that. He said, do. He may die. Ah. But because he's in me, and he has come for this conference, and he's watching by here, and he believes scripture, he shall live. But look at the other side. He didn't stop there. He now said, this is the main one. Whoever now lives and believes in me, So it has covered both sides. <laughs> so if you are broke, he's saying, you'll make it. And if you have made it, you are not afraid that one day maybe witches and wizards will come and take it away. He said the other side is that if you live and you believe in me, you shall never die. And household of David, mercy conference, the last statement, do you believe this? God bless you. Thank you for listening to this message. Find out more about Household of David. Visit our website at www.householdofdavid.org. You can also follow us on social media on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and MixLR. Or join us for one of our services on Sundays by 8 a.m. and 10 a.m. and Wednesdays by 7 p.m. God bless you.